going to be reading two New Testament scriptures, so you'll, you've probably noticed a little typo in your bulletin saying the Old Testament, um, but both readings this morning are going to come from the New Testament. First, uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, "'Why do you look for the living among the dead?' "'He's not here.' But has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? And then they remembered his words and returning to the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and the mother, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who with them told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home amazed at what had happened. And from the Gospel of John, Chapter 11, starting in verse 23. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. May we be grateful for the hearing, the reading, and understanding of these words. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for the ability to learn Scripture, to to just hear the stories read to us. I pray that they would continue to rest on our hearts and in our minds this morning. Help us to reflect on anything that has already stuck out to us for whatever reason. Help us to reflect on that throughout this Easter Sunday. And Lord, I pray in these coming moments that you would speak through me, and I pray that you would speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So why do we gather today? What is it about this particular Sunday each and every year that feels maybe just a little different? Maybe there's just a little bit more of a joy or spark in the air. There's just something about this day. Whether we come to church all the time or every week or we've been coming for years or Maybe we're just starting to come back. Wherever we find ourselves in the journey, 
what is it about this day that draws us, that draws people? And it's not the millions or some odd billions of dollars that Americans spend on Easter candy, but this day, as most of us, if not all of us know, is truly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, about Jesus coming back to life from the dead after three days. It's about Jesus conquering sin and conquering death once and for all. It's a story that many of us have heard many times, but it's a story that also never gets old. It's a story that we ought to continue to reflect on and hear about and listen to and read throughout our lives and throughout our journey. I was reminded of this just yesterday uh, when I was um, about to put our two-year-old daughter down for a nap, usually read some books, and um, there was an Easter book on the floor, so I picked it up and we read an Easter story. And it was all about um, Jesus and Jesus' love for us. And then um, Jesus died, sadly, on a cross, and then Jesus came back to life. And, you know, just kind of like a a kid version of the Easter story, and I'm reading this uh, to our daughter Elizabeth um, and just thinking, this is really cool. And so I put her down for a nap, and then she goes down, and a couple hours later, and she's playing, and we go back into the room, and I sit down, and she grabs the Easter book again, and she comes up to me and says, read. So I put her back on my lap, and we read it again. Now, could have just been a random book and she just wanted to read, but, but I was thinking, you know, maybe she liked hearing that story. And what a reminder for me, um, as often if we open our ears and listen to children, they teach us a lot, don't they? And it was a reminder of, yeah, I, I need this story again too. I, I need to, to hear this and, and to be amazed by this story each and every day. And Friday, we were down to uh, the beach, and it was very windy when we got down there. It was like hot on the avenue in, in Rehoboth, and then we get on the beach, and it's like windy and everything. And so we sit out on the sand for a while, and of course, there's kites flying in the air. And Elizabeth has never really, to my knowledge, seen kites a whole lot, like actually up in the air and, and flying. So I captured this photo of her uh, checking out one of the kites. And she was just so excited, and she was uh, looking and smiling, and she just really wanted to see uh, and take this in for herself. It was a sense of childlike amazement, whereas an adult, you just kind of see it, it's like, oh, that's a kite, but sometimes you forget to consider what it might look like from her perspective, and maybe it was the first time that she really pondered what a kite is doing and how it's in the air and all these things, and she was amazed. And I get thinking about that word today, have you, about amazement. Have you ever been amazed, like in a good way, like truly amazed at something? Maybe it's a, a heroic action of somebody that truly amazes you. Maybe it's being out in God's creation, whether it's a sunrise or all the countless and endless stars, you know, in our Milky Way galaxy at night when you see those on a clear summer night or whatever it may be, that just there are things that seem to truly amaze us. 
Or maybe you think of that old uh, Lone Star song, Baby, I'm amazed by you. Remember that? <laughs> no? All right. <laughs> I remember it. Maybe you think of that when you think of amazed. Maybe you think of other things, but how would you define the word amazed? Truly, if you're amazed by something. I was looking at the uh, New Oxford American Dictionary, and it defines uh, amazed as to surprise someone greatly or to be filled with astonishment. And when you think about those two aspects of the definition amazed, they tie into the Easter story. Because, of course, on that first Easter, there was people who were very greatly surprised. But they were also filled with astonishment. And to, for us to be amazed is to be filled with astonishment as well. And today we gather and remember the essential story of the Christian faith, a story that should continue to amaze us each and every day more than anything else, because Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected from the grave, and that, my friends, is amazing. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says about the importance of Jesus' resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, so if the message that is preached says that Christ has been raised from the dead, then how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. We are found to be false witnesses about God because we testify against God that He raised Christ when He didn't raise Him. If that's the case, then that the dead aren't raised. And if the dead aren't raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ hasn't been raised, again, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. And what's more, those who have died in Christ are gone forever. If we have hope in Christ only in this life, then we deserve to be pitied more than anyone else. Paul is, is reminding the early church that the resurrection is essential. And in the Scripture reading this morning, this, this story that was read to you, we see that it's super early. It's the first day of the week. Some women are going to the tomb. They're not anticipating resurrection at all. They had some spices that they were going to kind of honor Jesus' body with, but, but there was a problem. At least they thought there was a problem. The stone that covered Jesus' tomb had been uncovered. It had been rolled away. And they're not really sure what to make of that situation. And all of a sudden, we see that two men appear. And they're glowing in white. And they share such an important line with the women. They say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Can you imagine what that must have registered in their mind? They're saying, he ain't here. That's the Sussex County translation of Scripture. He ain't here, y'all. He, he has been raised. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Think about their reactions. Think about their faces as they're bowed to the ground. What must have been going through their minds? And many of us maybe have had reactions like that in our own lives where we're thinking, no way. Like, this can't be true. Somebody told you something or something happened and it, 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 it almost seemed too good to be true. It's like, could this really have happened? Could this really have taken place? Many of us have those sort of stories. But the Scripture records two different types of reactions to this news. Two different types of reactions 
from the disciples. And one of the reactions was this, that some disciples did not think it was true. And maybe they just had the mindset, you know, maybe we can't fault them. Maybe we would have thought the same thing if we were there. Like, there's no way. This is too good to be true. But some of them did not believe them. They were reluctant to believe what the woman told them. And that's even true today. There's a, there's a sense of reluctance for some to, to accept this message. We have to understand that. We have to listen to people and understand their stories and see where they're at. But there still is a reluctance. And not to, to give the disciples a bad rap in the story, but, but that's their reaction. And for some of us who are maybe Christians now, there may have been a time in our own life where we thought this Christianity thing was nonsense. There's just no way. But now, having the ability to follow Jesus and His teachings each and every day, or at least striving to do so, is a great honor and privilege, and it's an important part of, of some of your lives. And we know that the invitation is lifted to every one of us every single day, no matter where we are. And this whole story can seem kind of odd to some. I mean, we just may kind of believe it and say, yeah, you know, we're Christians, but think about it. This story seems very odd to some. We believe in an almighty God who came into this world in human form as Jesus, was born from a virgin named Mary, lived a perfect life with no mistakes, no sin, cared for the outcasts and the poor in society. He healed people. He cast demons out of people. He was crucified on the cross to be buried and never to be seen again. And then three days later, Jesus, God in human flesh, comes back to life. And that this Jesus is alive to this day and is Lord of all. And God invites all to, that, invites all to come to himself through Jesus. And God is saying, I am reconciling this whole world back to myself through the person of Jesus. And through faith, we can be a part of that. Through faith, we can be a part of bringing a little bit of heaven to earth, which makes this life a lot more meaningful than just punching a ticket to heaven. To say we get to partner with God and we get to be a part of bringing the kingdom right here, right now. We get to sh live in a way where people see us and say, that's, what's that's what eternity is going to look like. Love and peace and joy and compassion and justice. And we get to live that out here and now. And more or less, that's what we believe as Christians. And to some, that may be hard to believe. And I get it. And many of us have been there. There's a worship song that always reminds me of this. And it, until we have that maybe personal experience or encounter, maybe we don't see it as clearly as others. But there's a, a lyric in a song. It's called My Savior, My God by Aaron Schust. And, as, and he says, you count it strange, so once did I, until I knew my Savior, until I had that experience. And Scripture says that, you know, the message of the cross is foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So some disciples thought, you know, this might be a little too foolish to believe right now. But Peter did something different. Peter didn't just say, I don't believe you, because he was probably all out of saying, I don't believe, because he had just denied Jesus three times short, just a few days ago. 
But what must have been going through Peter's mind is he takes off for the tomb. As weather's getting nicer and uh, baseball started back up, I think about some of my childhood and playing baseball at Georgetown Little League. And uh, I can remember after games, um, whether we won or we lost, we would all, you know, go to the outfield and sit and the coach would talk to us. But then after, after that took place, both teams would take off and run to the concession stand. And why would we run to the concession stand? Uh, any other reason than a snow cone? Whether we won, whether we lost, we get up with our little dirty pants and untied cleats and just sprint all the way to the concession stand. Who's going to get in line first? Who's going to be there first? And who wants a snow cone? Every, every kid wanted a snow cone. And we didn't walk. We took off for that concession stand. And I think about that because I think about Peter taking off. About Peter being filled with sorrow and guilt and, and, and just imagine what's going through his mind. And then he hears this good news and Scripture says he takes off. He runs to the tomb. And I think about Peter beating every little kid with their cleats on to the concession stand. He, I think he would have just run right past everybody to that tomb. But this is what he does. And Peter was amazed at what had happened. And I think a challenge for us today is maybe we can join Peter in that sprint. Maybe we can join Peter in running and experiencing the empty tomb for ourselves. Maybe we can join in on being amazed at this good news, at resurrection. The last few weeks we've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. There's seven times where Jesus says, I am. So we've looked at things like, I am the gate or I am the shepherd, and we're going to continue that in the coming weeks, but on this, on this Sunday, be reminded of what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, as I read this morning, where He says, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Jesus truly is the resurrection, and He knew what He was talking about when he said those words. And he knew what he was talking about when he said he was the life. So what is your reaction this morning? What is your reaction to the Easter story on this day? What is your reaction when a preacher tells you on Easter Sunday that Jesus is alive? What does that look like? Yes, Lord? And as I shared this morning with the sunrise service out in the parking lot, is that we see Jesus not just, maybe we don't physically see Jesus in person, but I see Jesus in a lot of ways. I see Jesus as I'm walking through the sanctuary this morning, and people are joyfully giving one another hugs. I see Jesus in one of my most embarrassing and horrific moments as a pastor this morning when I woke up three minutes before the sunrise service. <laughs> Preachers dream and have nightmares about this happening. 
and it happened to me. And I, maybe I just needed the reminder that, you know, Easter's going to happen whether I'm there or not. But I see Jesus when people who don't even know where I am are just setting up tables and chairs, and I had everything ready to go and planned on being here a lot earlier than that. But I see Jesus in that. I see Jesus when a church reaches out into their community and expresses the love of God through serving. I see Jesus when middle school and high school students are eager to be in church on Sunday mornings and to be a part of youth ministry. I see Jesus when loved ones are circling around the bed of somebody taking their last breath and they sing and they pray. If we opened our eyes, we would see that Jesus truly still is all around us. And may we be amazed by that. So what is our response? Is our response this morning to, to still say, I don't know if I believe that? And that may be. Or is our response to say, no way. I've got to get up and sprint to this empty tomb. I may have said this last year, but a few years ago I was thinking about why did the stone have to be rolled away? I mean, Jesus walked through a wall anyway later, didn't he? Or he why couldn't he just walk out of the tomb and just show that he was alive? And there's different ways of thinking about that, I guess, but a few years ago, a thought came to my mind of maybe the stone was rolled away, not so that Jesus could get out, but maybe it was rolled away so that we could get in and that we could join in and, and walk in for ourselves and say, oh my gosh, He really is alive. He really is who He said He was. And He loves me, and He loves you, and He loves the whole world, and He wants us to be a part of this redeeming work with Him. So take a journey yourself this morning to the empty tomb. And when you stand and realize that there's no one in there, and there's just a couple linen cloths, what is your reaction? Are you amazed? Because of the resurrection, we can trust and hope that death never has the last word. Or as I've heard other people say, the worst thing that could ever happen to us is never, never the last thing. And that there's hope. I think about a former person this morning that tragically died in a trucking accident at the first church I was at on the Turnpike in New Jersey. His truck, his tractor trailer just caught flames and he was gone in, in a second. I think about him this morning because death doesn't have the last word. Think about a cousin I lost a few years ago to a heroin overdose. And I'm reminded that death does not have the last word. That there's always hope, even in the midst when there's not. I think about my nephew that died at just a couple months old last summer. Death doesn't have the last word. And because of Jesus, 
I trust that I will see all of them again and that there's always hope and there's always, there's always light at the end of the tunnel because of Christ. And I can say with peace that, that no matter what suffering we experience here and now, that we can take joy in knowing that death is never the end. And one day knowing that we too will experience a bodily resurrection just like Christ did. Because Christ is, is really the prototype for what's going to happen to all of us. Heaven isn't, isn't a place our souls kind of float away when we die. That's, that's, that, that's imagery that, that came a little later on uh, in history. It's um, something called Platonism. And that's not Christianity. Christianity is about bodily resurrection, about new heavens, new earth coming together. So on this day, we proclaim that not only has Christ died, but this is a day where we proclaim that Christ is risen. And we have hope and faith that Christ will one day come again. As I've said before on Easter, I say again that sin and death are not Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ has conquered the grave, and to that I say thanks be to God, and to that I say happy Resurrection Sunday, and to that I encourage all of us to be Easter people, and may we as Easter people raise our voices and let us show the world that Jesus lives, not through banging on people's heads and shoving the gospel down their throats and making them feel guilty if they're not involved in the church, but by loving them, but by showing them the gospel through our words and through our actions. Let us be Easter people and let us show the world that Jesus lives through our words, through our actions, and through our love. Amen? Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we give you thanks that death does not have